0: Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. 82 days until the most important election of our lives. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we can all make a difference right now. Today, I am joined by the always fun Frangela duo to talk about Trump's incredible and not surprising allegations of actual espionage and the Democrats' historic week of wins. Then joining me for our interview is a dynamic Latina woman on the front lines in the fight to save our democracy, Texas District 15 candidate for Congress, Michelle Vallejo. I'm Steve Pearson, and this is How We Win. I am so excited, everybody. The live show, How We Win Live, is happening this Monday night, August 22nd, in Los Angeles to benefit the How We Win fun. We've been working hard putting this thing together and uh, to help us celebrate and talk about the news of the day and give you a taste of what to expect is the Frangela Duo. They are here with me, Francis and Angela. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having us, Steve. Thank you.
0: Yay. So uh, for people who aren't familiar with the Frangula experience, what can they expect Monday night?
1: Well, we are going to do a Special special show uh, for, uh, on Monday. We're going to do a professional idiot of the week. Now there are people who <laughs> know and love our idiot of the week. We take mm-hmm. criminal and criminals and what have you, but we're gonna we're gonna go after the pro professionals wow. in Congress, in, in Congress, and in government, or
2: who have recently left the government.
1: Yeah, uh, and maybe
2: joining a penal facility soon. Who knows? The <laughs> point is that normally we don't have politicians in any of the week because it doesn't seem fair. You know, yeah. it's like having.
0: And how do you, you pick? Know, NBA
2: players? Right. Yeah. Like, exactly. That's all it would be every week. Right. Jim Jordan. I just can't say that name every day, all day. Right. So <laughs> let, you have to move forward with some. So with, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do some idiot um, discussion, exploration.
0: hmm. It's Dream it's a catching. nice counterbalance to what we do on this show, where we do a hero of the week every every week. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs>
2: That's
1: lovely. That's lovely. That is That's lovely. so positive. Right. That's, That's so positive, nice. Steve. Oz will so... not be. <laughs> no, it's
2: not going to be like that. It's not going to be
1: like that. You no, know, it will not be that experience. We No, will be very funny.
0: <laughs> we need all the experiences right now. We are a big tent party, right? <laughs> we need every we need everything. Um so uh let's not start with the idiots. Uh let's start with the huge news right now, and that's Ooh. that our president Joe Biden just signed the Inflation Reduction Act. And, um, you know, another historic win, Democrats delivering, bringing groundbreaking climate legislation that has been sorely needed. But this is significant. How are you all feeling about the Inflation Reduction Act and what does it mean to you all?
1: Steve, it's like a bomb on my spirit. <laughs> it really, truly is because of the fears uh, that I have harbored for not only my child, you know, I'm worried about my child's li- in her lifetime, what yeah. will happen to this planet, you know, because I'm death may take me at some point. Will, you know what I mean? Yep. And she has to still be here. And it is important to me that she I mean, I, we are London was on fire. France yeah, right was on fire. Yeah, right uh, now. Uh, <laughs> right, now. Like right now.
2: Yeah. Like, and that's the thing that has frustrated me. And I, I'm not alone in this, obviously. We all are. Um, about when we even the way we talk about the environmental disaster, we don't even call it like global climate change. We call climate destruction, you know? Mm. Um, and the reality is we'll be lucky if these effects affect Abby's children. They're yes. right now. Yeah. You know, like, and 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 that that is the thing. It's sort of like all around us. I feel like this constant where are we fighting the battle we're actually in at the moment or do we think we're preparing for it? And so I this mean, legislation is really important and it's not everything. I know that, you know, um, but it is the biggest thing that's happened and it's really important and it does do a lot of important things. And,
1: and can we just say this too, and yay to the heroes and the people who got it through, because every time in my lifetime, that in, and climate is very important to us, mm-hmm. uh, I have seen this shut down. Yeah. I've seen people say, in government say, This is not important. And I am so glad that we have finally pierced the veil of ignorance, of understanding that we must live in harmony and treat this uh, the the rock we all live on. I don't care what, if you live in a multi million dollar house or a shack or a hovel, we all on the same fucking rock.
0: That's right. Actually, if you're on the hovel, you're probably in a better space right now. If you're in the multi-million dollar house, you're probably going to slide off that cliff into the ocean pretty soon. So
2: yes, (laughs) I don't know why these people think that they can get protected from
1: the earth. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And that is the thing. Your money cannot, will not protect. The, the Earth, unless we do something about it, and Democrats are doing it. We have we're we are doing it. Yeah, this is action in action.
0: Well, and and it just shows you know for anyone who was doubting the power of their vote, and uh, and a lot of people who were complaining about how tough it was to get legislation passed um, earlier. In the year even, or last year, um, and why, do, you know, we have such a tenuous majority in the Senate. Uh, man, that Georgia runoff election, that made a fucking difference. I mean, we, you know, you talk about how important this legislation is, and you talk about the existential threat that we are all facing. You know who doesn't seem to pay attention to it or care about it or uh, accept it? Are Republicans. Because yes. not a single Republican in the Senate, not a single Republican in the House of Representatives voted for this legislation. And it's all Democrats. Bang that
1: drum, Steve. Bang it all day long. Bang it over and over again. That's right. They didn't vote for it. And they never will because they don't care about... you. Here's the thing. When they sit there on Fox all day long and sit there and say, because the FBI went in, and went and and got the papers that belong to the people back from the, from Donald Trump. Right. They could do this to you, but what they what we do not stress is what they are not doing for you. Right. What you know, they all they want to do is talk about what can happen to you, what can happen to you. But they're never ever talking about what they can do for you. They want to bring up the fear. But they will not talk about what we can do. What do you need? I want you to be mad because what they did to Donald Trump. But don't get angry for you in your life.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to talk about uh, what's going on with Trump, of course, because we're not going to gloss over the former guy, you know, being investigated for violating the Espionage Act. But before we do that, we always like to – talk about the news in relation to what can our listeners actually do about it or what's their role to play in it. So first, when it comes to the Inflation Reduction Act, um, what you just said is what we all need to be doing. We all need to be banging the drum. And especially... When the Republicans who did not vote for it start going back to their districts and talking to seniors about how now their uh, their caps are limited and they're only going to be paying two thousand dollars a year on um, on medicine, and how companies are finally having to pay pay their fair share of taxes, when they start touting this in their districts, we need to be banging the drum that not a single Republican voted for this. It was all Democrats. That did this. And this is our right. job is to use our voices right now and, and celebrate, celebrate this moment. It's getting drowned out for good reason, because oh, there is some is. salacious, yeah. you know, a compelling news right now that we've all been waiting for. Uh, but it's but that is drowning out this incredible, incredible historic legislation.
2: No, and the media in particular, I was trying to listen to watch the news today and literally I watched um, was it Jose Diaz. He basically was like, it's like, you know, and the gas prices are down, they're going down, but food prices are up. And it was like (laughs) off to the races. And I'm like, you know, I'm just sick of their bullshit. Like the reality is this man in two years, President Biden has done more. I believe he will go down in history as one of our greatest presidents. Yeah. He has done more in two years with less and under more duress, not besides the pandemic, besides glo- multiple global, you know, climate disasters right. and in this country. And a war in Ukraine. The war in Ukraine, getting out of Afghanistan. He has to deal with an insurrection mm-hmm. that is ongoing. Like all of that. And still somehow this man is passing legislation on climate you know? yeah, yeah. and on getting people's insulin to them in ex- more, you know, more cheaply so get that two thousand dollar cap is amazing yeah. for yeah. people, for, for health care. That is going to save families. That is going to save people. And and do not let. If we can't, if our media is not going to do their job and report these things in your apps, then that is our job, you know? And we have to make sure we tell everybody and we get excited about it. And we show everybody on our, when you're tweeting your cute picture, your dog put in there and guess what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, his insulin costs this much money, you know,
1: whatever, like get it out there. I agree with you, Angela. And to your point, Democrats, especially those of us who have families who may be conservative who are in the GOP. This is your moment when you go back home for Thanksgiving and Christmas. You can talk about this legislation. You can talk about what actually is being done for the benefit for not just Democrats, not just the uh, Democrat base.
0: Right, for everybody. But for
1: all Americans. That's right. Because that is what democracy is for. Everyone. Yep. You know, that's one of the things that
2: the, the, the things I found th- the most sort of weirdly distressing about the Trump legacy and, and him being you not know, this idea of red state, blue state. Mm-hmm. This idea of, oh, it's the blue states where people are suffering, not the red states. Oh, I'm just going to do something for the red states, not for the blue. Like, it, w- it was such, I've I, never heard any politician in my lifetime do that. Like, take the country and really. Pre, pre-game out of civil war, like literally say, you know, yeah. that we don't all have the same interests and we only want to do things that help the people in, uh, who have our same interests. And we don't want to do things that are going to help people who don't have our same interests. Like that is, I've was blown, I've been blown away by it. And, and, and I feel like it's one of those things that just sort of like got lost in the shuffle of all of the outrages, so much. you know, and all yeah. of the like, You know, there's so many things to point out, you know. Um, But I I look now and I'm like, wow, that just sort of got like it's okay to say.
0: Yeah, I remember him. punishing california trying you know uh and 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 especially bring it it. especially around yeah that's right especially around uh the coronavirus when that first happened and Mm -hmm. where resources were going it it was uh stunning and horrific and uh he is a stunningly horrific figure who is now being investigated for violating the espionage act um Why, like, all the stuff, everyone's heard about this, everyone's been watching, it's hard to look away, and we shouldn't look away. Why did he have top-secret docs Mm -hmm. at his place in Mar-a-Lago now that he's Mm -hmm. no longer the president? The only thing I can think of, which seems crazy to say this out loud, because it's from a bad B-movie plot, but it's the world that we're living in, is he's selling fucking secrets, well, there yes. you go.
1: Right. You yes. see, you said the quiet thing loud, Steve. <laughs> because at the and what I want to remind us all at every turn is that Donald Trump is one of those people who does his dirt out in the open. Yeah. And he will, he will, as soon as he's snatching something, he's like, look at me snatch it. He, that is exactly what he does. He tells on himself immediately. And says and then says I meant to do it. Yeah. And I also I'm, I've seen one person it start to bring
2: it up. But my the thing that's been that I'm been really needing people to start asking is, well, we all know what I would bet every finger until I have on is that there's no get damn way Donald Trump carried box one. Out of the White House. That's so right. What we need to ask ourselves is with the chain of custody on getting these 30, 40, however many boxes of material is out. How many people touched it? How many people had access to it? It's in a pool shed and in the basement of a facility that we all know. Multiple people have keys to those places because they get supplies and garbage out of there. Right. So this is my thing. How many, you know Donald Trump didn't pull up in a car and start unloading boxes? A bunch of valets did that at Mar-a-Lago. And so we have, right now, I guarantee you, and see, this is why they need Francis and I to be uh, in the uh, Justice Department or FBI. I think so. Because right now what we'd be doing, see, you can feel it. I'd be checking everybody who worked there's house because right, I guarantee you, people have taken things home out of those boxes. The yep. They have opened those boxes. That's I get, right. I know people. I know this, and they have. Oh, this is funny. Look, it's a letter from um Kim Jong Un or whatever. <laughs> They've got it stapled up on there. I guarantee you because Absolutely. these were not. They weren't secured at all. I mean, they talk mm-hmm. about his safe, but what was in his safe was probably some porn and his passports or who cares. But <laughs> these boxes with our top secret information were in a pool shed in a basement. Yeah. That yeah. Who knows how many, we have yet to hear how many people had access to it. And we damn well know he didn't carry any of it.
1: And here's my so thing. You he can't about, carry his own ass. Right, right. When well, you talk about declassified. Oh, he, de- you know what? He woke up and he declassified everything. Okay. First I can't. Speak. Seriously, GOP. Are you how that works? With everybody and anybody sniffing around boxes in somebody's pool house? Yeah. State secrets? Do you know how hard it is to get on Hillary's
2: private server? Do you have any idea how hard that is? I've been trying for
0: years and I've had no luck. Exactly. Yeah.
2: That is my (laughs) point. But a pool shed at Mar a Lago?
0: Yeah. No. (laughs) I mean, when you run uh, run low on the little umbrellas that they put in the drinks, that's where they keep them. So they've got the guy who gets the umbrellas also has access to those documents. Um, but I mean, we can analyze like the reasoning behind this. But he's he is a grifter through yeah. and through. That Straight is up. that is you know what has motivated everything that he has done. He has no shame. Uh, he's I was going to say he's bad at it. You know, because it's so obvious, but he's not bad at it. He's really good at it because he's raising money on this, and he's got people sending him money for his like defense fund on 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 this. So um, you know, it's really it's really scary. Like to, to your points, and we're and we're joking around about it a little bit, but you know, who has accessed these docs? Who has seen them? I'm, what I has mean, what has serious. already been compromised? Um, All of it. You know, it's it's. uh It's stunning. It's once again unprecedented. And um, so, um, again, to shift to what can we do about it? Like, what's our role in this? Oh, my God. Like, we saw in the first news item how important it is to vote so that we can actually pass this transformative legislation. Mm -hmm. The second item, if we do not hold on to the House in the midterms, we already know that Trump's enablers are going to flip the script On all of this, they are not gonna hold Trump accountable. In fact, they are going to try to prosecute the prosecutors. They're gonna denigrate, further denigrate the FBI, the Justice Department, like the whole fabric that holds our democracy together. The so-called party of law and order, these Republicans, are going to rip it to shreds. And, you know, it's not hyperbole. I've been saying this for the whole time. Every cycle we say it's the most important election of our lives. Um, And it has been. Like the midterms last time were the most important election of our lives. Getting Mm -hmm. Donald Trump out of office, that was the most important election of our lives. But right now, our very democracy hangs in the balance of this election. So our, our yeah. job right now is to make sure we are volunteering. It's to make sure we are calling voters because this is existentially important.
1: We, I know, I baby, 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 if you can hear the sound of my voice, <laughs> I know you're tired. I'm tired with you. I understand. But the reality is, is that now that we are all awake, We are never going to be able to go back to that comfort zone of being asleep. Of missing out on midterms and be, having some a little too much to do that day, and missing out on that vote, and then not really caring about what happened or not being involved with knowing who are our who's in our legislatures and not mm-hmm. you know and voting for them. We don't we don't get until you talk about when you're talking about our solutions. Our solution is to be aware. Mm-hmm is to be aware and vote and know who is representing us in every, and what are their policies for you, for me? And get involved. Like figure out, you know, that's why swing left
2: and act blue, like th- it's such a great, these are great places to go. Swing left, especially and the national impact fund, because this is a way for you to help the races that really need it. Not they all need it. All, yeah. Everybody needs to pay attention to all of them. But there are races that are really close or really tight, or where those the Democrats are gonna they're facing an uphill battle and they need the funding. And they need the they need the people on the ground. They need the volunteers. If you don't have money and you you got some time there is a place for you you know yeah. right? right and and we we cannot and here's the thing and i you know i talked to somebody over the weekend who she considers herself a very progressive voter and so therefore felt like there was no candidate out there that was progressive enough for her and i was like but is there one reactionary enough for you to vote yeah. like i need you to ask yourself if you're looking at fascism versus not fascism and, and a really good not fascism. Yeah, like not just not fascism, like changing health care, addressing climate change. All of these things that you care about imperfectly, perhaps, but addressing them as best as they can in this environment. To me, we people have really got to adjust their gaze and understand this is not the election where we say, you know what, I really do want a third party because i do i francis will tell you i'm a big proponent of getting more parties. this is not that election
0: yeah i agree with you i mean um our our political system is deeply deeply flawed um but we are in such a uh we're in such a situation right now that if we don't galvanize and come together as Democrats, then um, the people who are going to be adjusting the levers of democracy mm-hmm. or, or not democracy are not the ones we want in power. Like you said, it's going to be yeah. all about fascism.
1: Yeah. Hey, you wish it was a lever. They're going to pull out the system, they're going to stop elections. What? Like, yeah, we're, they're we're, already what trying, they trying, trying to. That's be liars. Right.
0: That's right. And
2: I'm not gonna miss my handmade tail moment. I'm not gonna be stuck up in here. Okay. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. This this very well could be the last election where your vote really counts. And yes. and it's going to be tenuous at that in many states um, that have made voting more restrictive. They Um, got rid
2: of every black district in in Texas. That's right. Now, here's the problem they have. We're going to vote. But no, right now, they are going to contest. The Republicans are going to test every single one of these elections. So voting isn't just going to be I vote and walk out the booth. Okay? And it's done. We have got to make it clear that we've made our choice, and we know exactly the choice we've made.
0: Well, you've you've segued perfectly into our to-do list. You already said it, and you even teased our interview, because we have hopefully soon to be Congresswoman Michelle Vallejo, who's running in Texas 15, the only competitive district in Texas, uh, coming up on in our interview, and she's got a really inspiring story. Um, so you talked about uh, donating to our fund, swingleft.org fundraise how we win. Thank you very much. Thank you to everyone that's already donated and everyone who's been uh, pushing this fund out there. We have raised so far uh, just over $22,000. And, and we haven't even really gotten started yet. Um, I'm, I'm going to say it out loud. My goal is 50K. I'm, I'm, I want to yes. raise $50,000 for this fund. I think we can really do that. I'll bet you we can do more. Um,
2: I know we can do more. So so that's... I know we can.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's... If you haven't donated yet, if you have, please share that. Once again, swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win. Um, the other thing is we've been hearing a whole lot about liz cheney's race like is she gonna lose her primary is She gonna lose? i could give a shit about liz cheney Same. there is a uh, a guy named pat ryan he's running uh in a special election on august 23rd that's this tuesday in new york's 19th congressional district this seat is necessary to protect our democratic u.s house majority and um what happened is representative uh uh, Antonio Delgado was appointed to Lieutenant Governor of New York, leaving that seat vacant. So now the uh, veteran Pat Ryan is running to fill that seat. Uh, if we can turn out enough Democrats, that's a really winnable district. We cannot let it go to Republicans. We don't have the margins in the House to let that go. Um, and it's running it as, as a dead heat right now. If he wins the special election, then come November, he'll have the power of incumbency to hold on to that seat. So uh, there are ways to get involved in that race. Again, it's Tuesday, so you can volunteer. You can donate to his campaign. You can make phone calls for him right now. Uh, go to patryanforcongress.com. Uh, I will have, of course, all of these links in the show notes, but patryanforcongress.com. There's something for you to do this weekend to make a difference in the midterms. Um all right, so you have—I've taken up way too much of your time, but uh, I can't let you go without sharing your reasons for hope. I'll start out with mine, just uh, so I can model good behavior here. Um, I uh, this weekend I went to a uh, a meeting in the valley with a, a swing left group to go speak and. It gave me so much hope to be in someone's backyard at a meeting where they were um, writing letters and getting trained up on canvassing, and getting ready to take action. Uh, it reminded me of <laughs> the, pr- the before days when we could actually be together in the same room, that community that is so important, it's so important that we lean on each other, that we share this emotional load together, that we do this work together. It's so empowering. Uh, it gave me a lot of hope. So shout out to uh, Swing Left West Valley for the great work that you're doing, and I was so happy to be there over the weekend. Um, what about you all? What's bringing you hope?
1: The thing that's bringing me hope, real quick, uh, that's brought me hope, is actually the FBI going into Donald Trump's home, because what that said to me from the DOJ was, this man is not above the law, and I wasn't even expecting this situation. I, you know, I was, I was hopeful about New York. I was hope because I'm hopeful for justice. Um, and I was hopeful about New York, I was hopeful about Georgia. This is a new uh Hope Springs Eternal in, in for me mm-hmm. in terms of this FBI thing because it does for me sit here, because as a black person in this society, it is really hard for me to watch th- that man get away with what he does. Yeah. And this lights my hope. Love that. Yeah, And I would say this that watching
2: the Biden administration knock out legislation, actually watching Congress do their job, which is to pass laws, not sit around and bitch. About things that, that you know, things that they think might be happening to you're this or you're that. But they're a legislative body; they're supposed to be legislating, and they, you know, and we've allowed the Republicans to take up so much focus, and for the media to talk about this this agenda. The the Biden agenda has been sidetracked. We'll know no, here it is, you know, and I am I'm that is giving me a lot of hope. I think that seeing people finally, I don't know what they said to Joe Manchin, but I like it. <laughs> and I'm glad it got said and I'd like him to know I, I doubly sign on to it without even knowing what it was and so that I, I'm glad to see that and I'm glad to see us take seriously this idea of this is I'm watching people understand that this isn't just some party that you once you go and you vote D all the way down this is your party this is our party we get to decide how we want it to be we're a big tent because we want to be a big tent but that don't mean we don't have to have good security <laughs> big tent still has bouncers
0: <laughs> that's right i'm
2: just saying so I'm, I'm i'm happy to i'm that actually really like watching the president sign these things and give the pen to a little kid or give the like i'm like oh that's warm in my heart the whole mm. you sign it everybody gets a pen thing it's just it's so nice to to actually see you know government
0: yeah, it's a big day. It's a it's a really historic day that we find ourselves talking to each other, and um, and I'm glad we can celebrate it together. We will continue to celebrate on Monday night. Can't wait to see you all IRL, and it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna have so much fun. Yeah
1: can't wait I'm so excited we're going to have a great time oh my god we're picking out our
2: walking out music it's amazing
0: yeah <laughs> awesome alright well Frangela thanks for sitting in and uh, and for all that you do and for your great podcast and uh, I will see you Monday night
1: see, see you Monday you
0: now we're going to hear from an amazing candidate who is on the front lines to help save our democracy in the midterms Michelle Vallejo Michelle Vallejo is our candidate running for Congress in Texas District 15, a South Texas district that is one of the most competitive races in the country and will of course help determine who holds the house in the midterms. Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today.
3: It's so great to be here. I'm excited to share my story. I'm excited to share with uh, everyone really what's going on here in South Texas and in District 15 in particular.
0: I wanna hear all about that, and I wanna start with your story because um, you come from a big family of farm workers and immigrants and entrepreneurs. For the last 25 years plus, your family has managed a marketplace, Polga Los Portales, um, that serves thousands of people weekly. But your background is as a community organizer. Um, How did you first get involved? What was your, do you remember your first experience as a volunteer?
3: not necessarily i think um my experience of even community organizing starts at the flea market my parents set a pretty good example of how to work with my family how to work with our community members and just get involved whenever there was something that we could do to improve the situation um and I remember in school I felt inclined to volunteer and I felt inclined to get involved in uh, student leadership and student council and so it's just been something that is a part of my experience and the way that I live my life um, I can't necessarily think back to the first time I volunteered, but the yeah. images that come to mind right now are when, you know, I would help my, my teacher in class, even when I was in first grade. Um, I always <laughs> saw that there was more that we could do, and I just I felt that calling since we're really young.
0: Wow. Um and then uh, you were recruited to run for Congress by Lupe Votes. Um, can you talk about that organization? And was it a hard decision to step up and and run? You would also be one of the youngest serving members of Congress too.
3: So, uh, a little bit of my, about my organizing and just work experience at the pulga is that when i decided to come back because i studied at uh, columbia university and there was an interruption in my education because unfortunately my mom passed away after battling multiple sclerosis for about 15 years Mm. and i made the decision to come back home and kind of pick up the reins a bit and and manage things and lead our family business uh, with my dad and right around that time as well i could sense that there was this sense of fear that was starting to loom over our community and loom over South Texas. And this is when we also saw on the political, you know, stage, the political national stage, that Mexican Americans and immigrants were starting to get demonized by pretty much the radical right. Yeah. And this was something that we felt immediately. So at the property at Los Portales, um, people. It's about a 25 acre property and we have hundreds of vendors who have you know their booths organized but they also have vehicles right they have their cars parked right next to them and so we have to make sure that our property is safe and and we also serve a lot of our elderly community members so there's people in wheelchairs Mm -hmm. there's children Mm -hmm. uh, people of all ages and whenever someone's scared They're going to react. They're going to respond. And sometimes people would say, you know, immigration is coming. Or in Spanish, they would say, la migra. And people would get frightened. You know, this was a time when um, there was less trust in law enforcement because it started creating, you know, we started feeling this division within our community. And that's when I sense, you know, my community needs to be seen, needs to be heard. And uh, Lupe actually, or La Union del Pueblo Entero, is a sister organization to the United Farm Workers Union. And okay. they actually have an office about a mile south of our flea market in Alton. And so I went and knocked on their doors and I said, hey, we serve a lot of the same community members. How could we work together to one, improve the situation where people feel more safe and they feel um, capable to speak up about what they need. And also, how can we just like help each other? How can we advance, um, you know, across the board, uh, areas where we could improve quality of life? That That's something that's always driven me. I've always thought that people, Especially in in my community, especially here in South Texas, deserve more. I feel like we've always been overlooked, or we've always gotten the shorter end of the stick. Whether it comes to educational funding, whether it comes to uh, economic opportunities and resources, and even healthcare. You know, so many people here go to Mexico or are forced to drive hours and hours out of our our district, out of our region here, to get just very basic healthcare. And so when I knock on their door. We started building a relationship and we started working together. We started putting together back to school fairs, health fairs, and just bringing out the community so that they could feel safe and they could feel cared for. Mm. And from those experiences, I think over the past few years and in particular when Trump was in office, you know, we got even more focused. We got even more focused in in getting things done for our community and not letting that national rhetoric, making it seem like we're evil to distract us. And really me running for Congress was due to kind of a domino effect when the new district lines came into play. And our current sitting congressman was no longer going to be uh, someone who was going to be running for the seat. And we knew that it was up for the taking right. uh, for someone who is a pretty radical Republican, radical right wing person who really does not reflect um, our community or even I would say that the Republican Party here locally, because we've been able to connect with Republicans and more conservative folks just talking about you know what we're experiencing and finding um, commonality, but also respecting each other and being able to have those conversations. Um, and Lupa in particular, brought some commu- community leaders and organizers together to nominate uh, and endorse a candidate that would be viable. I ended up being one of the the, candidates that was getting interviewed by a community board and you asked if this was a hard decision and i found out that many people i admired had actually nominated me and people that i look up to i started taking it very seriously Mm. and the first person i asked was my dad and i said dad you know there's this thing going on we we work very closely together and i knew that i would have to lean on him and and the people in my most immediate circle in order to make this jump and i told him my community is seeing this opportunity or this this calling for me that they're asking me to take. And I, I don't have that much experience. I'm a first time candidate. So maybe, you know, I told him I'll jump in and get involved in someone's campaign. And he told me, you know, Michelle, hold on. I think that your community sees you as a leader and as someone who could take on, you know, this torch. And I want you to give yourself a chance to do the same thing. And that's all it took. It just took my dad's full confidence behind me to say I'm all in and since then, I haven't looked back once.
0: I love a supportive dad. I'm a <laughs> I'm a girl dad too, so uh <laughs> I get that. And also um I'm so sorry about uh what you had to walk through with your mom too. I I know how hard that is um to lose a parent. Um so uh thank you for stepping up and 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 doing this. Um today is the start of Latino Heritage Month and uh Latinos are just widely unrepresented, as you said, Um, and uh, especially in elected office and in Congress. What would it mean to you personally to represent this community as a Latina woman?
3: It's already feeling like the honor of a lifetime. I, I truly take on this role as a Democratic nominee, Um, and as someone fighting in the general election for this seat, as someone who's representing my community and because of how competitive this seat is, Mm -hmm. the only swing seat in Texas, so that's the most competitive in the state, and it's bumped us to being top five most competitive nationwide. So I really do know that all eyes, if they're not turning to Texas 15 yet, they will be as we get closer and closer to November. And to me-
0: If we have anything to do with it, we will be turning more eyes there because it's it's such an important seat. Yeah.
3: Yep, that's the energy. That's what we're saying, like pay attention, jump on board and help us make sure that we have the best representation for South Texas. Um, Now that I am in this race and I'm running against uh, my opponent, it's very, very clear to me that I'm the only person in this race that could speak uh, to the experiences, the unique needs that a lot of our community members have that have, like I said, just been ignored and overlooked. And quite frankly, so many people are living in the shadows because they don't know how to advocate for themselves and they don't have those channels to do so.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that. I mean, you talked a little bit about your district already. It is uh, rated an R plus one district. So um, super competitive. I believe it – because of redistricting, it's that, but it's been represented, or at least your area, by Democrats before. Is that correct? Um, yes. Since so the
3: beginning of this seat, um, seat's creation, it's been represented by a Democrat in Congress.
0: Right, but now it's a, uh, a toss-up or or a lean Republican, depending on how you want to look at it. But just an R plus um, one. Tell us a little bit more about your district uh, and and what issues are resonating. Uh, with the community members there. You talked about it a little bit. Um, Democrats just passed the Inflation Reduction Act, have a bunch of other key legislative victories. Are, are those resonating with uh, community members in your district? Is the How do we get the Democrats deliver message out to the people of South Texas?
3: Um, so first of all, we need to make sure that those messages are being shared in ways that will get to the people of my district. Mm-hmm. So that means it needs to be in English and in Spanish. Right. And also, I would say if we mix it and there's a Tex-Mex version, that is exactly what's going to uh, be picked up by our community. You know, I think here in our region, we will listen to people who sound like us. We will listen to people who uh, we trust, understand our experience because We are upset when the national party comes in and tries to tell us what to do when we know better. Um, And we know best what it is that we need. And that's what we're connecting with people on this campaign trail about more uh, more and more as as we're connecting with more folks outside of just Democrats um, and people who've been supporting us since day one. Now we're really expanding to connect with folks, like I said, who are more conservative leaning or even traditional Republicans. Um, And their concern is one, yes, the cost of things. You know, they want to make sure that they could afford um, bringing food to the table and that they'll still have a full gas tank to be able to get to work the next day. Um, Well, right now, under the pressures we're experiencing economically, this is something everyone's experiencing. I do want to shed light to the fact that here in South Texas, that's how people have been living for a long time. You know, practically my entire life. As as soon as I I became aware of, of really the standards that people were living in here in South Texas compared to other regions of the state and other regions of the country. And that has, I think, become apparent to more people in the district. And so we're asking for more. And they want to make sure that, yes, we're fighting the costs of, of goods and just groceries and making sure the cost of gas is affordable so people could get to their doctor's appointments and get to uh, the school when they're dropping off their kids and to work. Mm-hmm. And um, they're also concerned about access to health care. So right now in the state of Texas, um, we've now been experiencing a few months, almost a year of a post row reality, because yeah. even before the Dobbs decision uh, here in South Texas, people were getting prosecuted. Um, women were getting prosecuted because they were seeking out medical attention for whatever they chose was best for them. And I will fundamentally and firmly stand to um to that right. You know, a person's individual autonomy and their right to make the healthcare choices however they see fit, whether that's with their physician, whether that is talking with other family members, or even talking to, you know, members in their faith and church communities. Uh, and I think we should, you know, all stand up to to make sure families have that dignity.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. You uh, touched on a very important point, and it's something that uh, that we talk about a lot on our show, and, and that's supporting the communities uh, and the community organizers in those communities, as opposed to what you often see from campaigns where they swoop in and the national structure tries to dictate. Here's what your messaging should be. Here's how you're going to run your campaign, and, and all that. When the people who actually live there on the ground and have been doing it, you know, their whole lifetime, or uh, since you were in fourth grade, or, <laughs> or whatever you said, right? No, really, know the community better. Um, we have a lot of volunteers and activists who listen to our show um, from all over the country. Uh, what's the best way for our volunteers to support the work that you're doing? Uh, they they want to help. Uh, of course they can donate and um, and we're excited that you're part of our How We Win Fund, but what are some other ways if they want to volunteer? How are they going to have the, the best impact on your campaign?
3: That's one of my favorite questions. Um, about this campaign because we really have pretty much an open door policy for anyone who wants to help us nationwide. We have phone banks that are um, getting scheduled and organized. And, you know, we could put more events on the calendar if there's a group of people who want to coordinate with themselves and it's, you know, their neighbors or friends or people they uh, traditionally organize with um, to help us. And we could you know, make sure that our team supports those efforts. And right now the most helpful thing is of course, donating to make sure that we have our field organizers fueled and um, all our wheels greased so that we don't stop knocking on those doors. We have a growing base of volunteers and we want to make sure that they have everything they need. So that's their scripts. That's if they need a a dialer or, you know, just getting on zoom and making sure that everyone has that access to be able to help us. Um, So donating, volunteering, and also spreading the word. You know, getting things out there, like sharing our tweets, repost, retweeting our our message and sharing on social media also helps us uh, in a big way. Uh, We really, really are a grassroots effort. And I just want to shed a little bit of light on um, how this campaign came together other than just being nominated by my community. But the decisions that have been made. Um, along the way, have also have deep roots um, in in our communities. So, so, for example, we had a local artist do our campaign logo and work on our branding and our aesthetic, and that meant so much to me. And nice. um, the sunflower, actually, that you might see in my campaign, is deeply connected to my mom's legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that my Pulga community knows and my family and everyone who I kind of grown up with understands like that's the connection. That's, um, a way to honor my mom's memory. Um, another thing is that, um, we bring in our, our film crew, and some of our local creative talent to help us with our messaging, to help us craft our, our, our ads. So it's so awesome, truly coming from an organizing background and a small business background working at the Pulga, uh, because all these relationships I've already had and I'm able to amplify them and, and we're able to actually have an impact on this campaign, which I would argue already drives you know, what we're gonna be able to do in Congress forward.
0: I love that. And you're obviously a fighter. You fought through a tough primary campaign to get here. So um, uh, I think that while I'm sure it was a lot of hard, exhausting work um, has really prepared you well, because as a first time candidate to have that experience of a really hard fought uh, primary campaign has, has set you up well. Um I'm gonna ask you one more question before I cut you loose. And this is the same question we ask all of our guests. What gives you hope for the future right now?
3: Hmm. I, I have to give credit to the youth. Mm. They are picking up the torch without any permission at all. They're not asking whether they could, um, you know, organize an event or organize a rally or come together with their friends to uh, put together a benefit show. Uh, and and they, added, they have added so much energy to this campaign. And I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that our youth feel um, included and feel invited. And we're letting them you know, take a lane and they own it. Like we have some very young organizers who are bringing together groups of volunteers and they run entire block walks on their own. I just show up, I support, I go block walking, but they're organizing uh, the entire event. And it's just so amazing because, you know, we're collecting data, we're collecting names and we're keeping track with these people. Mm-hmm. And it's just so beautiful to see that um, right now we have so many people in college and in high school that are really getting their hands involved in a congressional campaign and connecting with people um, at the national level and staying close to the people at the local level. Something that is so sweet is that there's uh, a few members in Congress who have become um, really close mentors to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, In particular, I want to give a shout out to Rep Silvia Garcia and Rep Veronica Escobar, who have both come to uh, the district to help me campaign and and just raise some money as well. And they've already um, made uh, vows to come back you know, and and keep organizing with us and seeing members of Congress and our college students coming together, rallying and and working together towards this campaign is something that to me is just invaluable. And it gives me a lot, a lot of hope and a lot of ganas to keep going.
0: <laughs> I love that. Well, uh, what's uh, can you remind everyone of your website?
3: Yes, it's Michelle V. Michelle4, I was about to say the Instagram handle, but it's <laughs> Michelle4, spelled out F-O-R-T-X-15.com. Uh, and that's the number one and the number five. Follow us on our social media channels as well. We are very active. That handle across the board for all of our platforms is Michelle v for TX. And I just look forward to connecting with y'all any way that you all choose, whether it's sending us an email, reaching out through social media, uh, or showing up at our headquarter office here in McAllen, Texas.
0: That would be fun. We will have that link in our show notes page too. So people can learn more and donate. And of course, uh, Michelle is part of our, how we win fund because sending her to Congress is how we win. Uh, thank you so much for spending the time. It was really nice to to get a chance to hear your story.
3: Yeah. Thanks so much, Steve. It was so great connecting with you. And I'm so excited to connect with everyone who's who'll be listening in and hopefully, um, y'all come join us in this race.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. This is How We Win. We win when we all get involved. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com or tweet to us at bluesboysteve, at Mariah underscore Craven, and at How we win pod. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever it is that you get your pods. Share us with your friends and help us build this community of informed and active volunteers. This is How We Win. We'll be back with our live show next Wednesday. We'll see you then.